Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, the Packers are headed to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. It is a Sunday, 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff, flexed from an original noon kickoff. So if you have the schedule from the beginning of the season, be aware that this game was moved into the late afternoon time slot. The Baltimore Ravens, Wes, this is a team, much like just a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Minnesota Vikings, although the Ravens are in much better playoff position fighting for a division title but this is a team that has been in a ton of close games nine one score games so far this season they've lost three of their last five but their last two losses back to back have been by a total of just three points um and uh their last four games have uh, have all been decided by one score or less this is a team that has played a lot of games, a full 60 minutes all the way to the wire, and uh, that's what you kind of have to expect here with the Packers going to Baltimore Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think the iconic image of this season to this point has been, you know, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson and just the number of times they've embraced after some of these absolute nail biters that they've been playing throughout the course of the year. And, you know, you go back to training camp and in the off-season program, they had about 48 different running backs go down with season-ending injuries. <laughs> um, I mean, Devontae Freeman, I think, is their leading runner this year, and he wasn't even on a team there for a while. I yeah, mean, aside from the quarterback, Jackson. Aside from the course, quarterback, who's, absolutely. Who but, I mean, in, in rushing, terms of their, yeah. their running back, but they still have a lot of weapons, whether it be Hollywood Brown. Uh, Mark Andrews is, you know, making a bid now to be probably considered among the best, if not the best tight end of the game, especially coming into his own after he got that contract. And defensively, they just do what they always do. So uh, the, the question all week, Mike, is going to be the health of Lamar Jackson, where he's at with the, with the ankle injury, how much he's going to be able to do, how much they're going to have to change the game plan. But I think when you're as battle-tested as Baltimore is, I was asked the question in Insider Inbox, who out of these four teams are you most concerned about down the stretch? I get why people would say the Browns, they just beat Baltimore. But to me, it really is the Ravens because they almost are kind of like an enhanced version of the Minnesota Vikings where they found ways to win late and they found ways to win creatively. Yeah, and I'm with you in terms of that question about uh, these last four games. And I say it's I say it's the it's the Ravens, not only because it's the one right in front of the Packers, but because this is a game on the road. And yeah. I take nothing away from the Browns, the Vikings, who obviously beat the Packers. But the Packers are going to get those teams at home. This is a game... This is a game the Packers have to go on the road against a team that is that is fighting for a division title, fighting for playoff positioning in the AFC. And as you said, the biggest question is regarding quarterback Lamar Jackson. When you look at the statistics with regard to this Ravens team they're one of the top rushing offenses in the league and one of the top rushing defenses in the league the offensive side comes with the caveat that Lamar Jackson their quarterback is their leading rusher so now the expectation it sounds like is that he is going to play on Sunday but you just don't know with that ankle uh, how close to 100% he will be or how far away from 100% he might be in terms of the running and, and the scrambling or designed runs or those kinds of things that are built into their offense. But on the defensive side, this is a legitimate top-level run defense, and I think that's what's going to cause, going to create a major challenge for the Packers because as I continue to say on this show and in our Insider Inbox column, this Packers offense is at its best when it first goes through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And the Packers don't want to get into 
some sort of just a straight drop-back yeah. passing game against this defense. You've got to be able to run the ball even against the top rushing defenses, and that's going to be the challenge on it's Sunday. It's such a veteran name defense. Like, there's just so many guys. You break it down, and you look at who's playing for them. I mean, Calais Campbell, who in a lot of ways, I almost kind of consider him to be like the defensive version of Mercedes Lewis, a guy that the years pass, and he just <laughs> finds a way to keep getting it done and playing at a really high level. I think there's a number of times people have kind of written him off and he's just come right back and shown I can still be this player well into my 30s. You know, Justin Houston is playing for them. Um, Justin Matabuke, I can I'll never pronounce his name right. But I mean, you know, and then Patrick Queen is, is the big guy that was, you know, obviously going to probably to some Packer fans always kind of be in the back of their mind too, sure. based on how the 2020 draft played out. Not a ton of sacks, but I mean, in terms of just what they've been able to do uh, in forcing teams into long down and distances and obviously being able to control the tempo up front. It's a challenging unit. And I feel like Matt LaFleur really summed it up perfectly. He said it on Monday and he kind of reiterated again on, on Wednesday, they will challenge you in both sides of the ball with schemes that no one else really does. I mean, nobody else does obviously offensively what Lamar Jackson can do. And, and even the backup, whether it was RG three before or now Tyler Hundley, since that torch was passed, from Joe Flacco to Jackson, they've committed to this is the face of our offense, this is how we're going to operate. It doesn't even matter if Lamar's available or not. And defensively, there's just been such a big blueprint there that's been built for the better part of two decades that they continue to hang their hat on. So certainly a, a team that's going to be very interesting to face. For my money, and not that we're going to get into you know keys of victory yet, but it, it really comes down to the mistakes Jackson's made with the football this year and yeah. defensively finding ways to, to make plays against them because – when you look at Baltimore's defense, there's just not going to be a lot of big plays to be had. It's just not the way they operate. Yeah, I think from the Packers' defensive perspective, the really interesting challenge that's created in this game is that combination, assuming Lamar Jackson does play, the combination of Lamar Jackson with that tight end Mark Andrews is having a big-time year. I think he's around 75 catches, 900-some yeah. yards, whatever it is. But the reason I mention those two guys in tandem is because we're getting asked by lots of fans and insider inbox, okay, so if Lamar Jackson's going to do all this running around, like, okay, don't you just put a spy on him, right? Yep. Okay, so that's one potential solution. And one guy who could be a spy would be Devondre Campbell, you know, the guy in the middle of, of the Packers' defense. But then who's covering the tight end? Who's yep. covering Andrews if you're going to spy the quarterback with your best inside linebacker? That's the challenge, I think, with regard to this Ravens defense. And it's one of the reasons that Mark Andrews has really come into his own and become one of the most productive tight ends in the league because there's a there's a matchup issue here with how you how you try to contain Lamar Jackson and keep an eye on him with all of his running around, but then deal with, uh, with that matchup at tight end. Because, you know, not to say that uh, that Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage couldn't yep. cover Lamar Jackson, but you're talking about a big size difference there well, and, and then a bigger target for Lamar Jackson to throw the ball that direction. And this is where it goes back to the ankle and how much is that going to restrict him? What is going to be his uh, flexibility within the pocket? You know, I don't want to use the just a traditional, hey, you got to force him to be a pocket passer because I feel like Lamar Jackson doesn't get enough credit there. When he has to play that way, I think he can play really well. But his biggest strength is what he can create in allowing his playmakers downfield to, to create some big plays. 
you look at the way they built this thing, Mike, yes, it is about Andrews, but Hollywood Brown was drafted for a reason. Sammy Watkins was brought in for a reason. You know, Rashad Bateman just is coming off his first 100-yard game now that he's back from the groin injury. And Devin Duvernay, who the Packers are going to have to contest with on special teams, also can be a dynamic playmaker for them. They are a home-run hitting offense. They aren't a team that's necessarily going to be like, okay, Freeman, Murray, we're going to set you up. We're going to just run the ball a couple times, try to get in third and manageable and create. No, they're going to just throw the script at you from the very beginning, especially sometimes, as you mentioned, 700-plus yards already this year on the ground for Lamar Jackson. They are going to look to hit you with big shots, and that's where I feel like finding out what that first quarter looks like and what the game plan that the the Ravens are going to devise is really going to be telling because, again, as I wrote in Inbox this week, only the Ravens really know what Jackson can do right now, how limited he truly is. I know he left the game in the walking boot, but, Mike, you and I saw it for an entire season, we saw Eddie Lacy, or a half season in 2013, every day in the locker room was in a walking boot, but then on Sundays he was good to go. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, you never really can be too quite sure, but the fact of the matter is, no matter how you boil it down, it's about Lamar Jackson and the Packers, how they defend him. Preseason in 2019, a couple of those guys in this defense were Oof. here for that. They saw him for two series. They saw how dynamic he can be. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it as well, special teams. John Harbaugh, as we all know, he cut his teeth in this league as a special teams coach. The Baltimore Ravens have always traditionally been one of the better special teams units in the league. The Packers struggling mightily in that area, as we know. I'll say this. Remember back after the Packers' victory over Washington and the defense let Taylor Heineke, the Washington quarterback, run around a little bit too much. And the following, on a short week, the yep. following week, the Packers were going to have to face Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And I said, sometimes, sometimes you get the reminder, you know, you get kind of, you get kind of that kick in the pants with regard to, you know, letting something get away from you. Now, the Packers, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, these running, you know, scrambling running quarterbacks, they've done a pretty good job. And I think the game against Washington was the type of reminder they needed. Now, special teams have been an issue in a lot of different areas throughout the year for the Packers, but maybe at some point you got to hit rock bottom and then you've got to face a team that is going to throw everything they've got at you in that phase because they're really, really good at it to get you where you need to be in that phase. Maybe this is this is the right kind of challenge for the Packers to uh, uh, to get ready for the stretch run and to be where they need to be you in know, that and, third and phase. Belichick gets so much credit in New England for their special teams and the core special teamers that they've had for a number of years, you know, drafting the long snapper, all that stuff, right? I really feel like people forget just how good of a special teams coordinator John Harbaugh was before he became the oh, head coach yeah. of the Ravens, you know, more than a decade ago. And in some ways, he's also committed himself to a core group of special teamers, one of whom is Anthony Levine, who was with the Packers a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I remember talking to him in the in the auxiliary locker room when he was trying to make the team as an undrafted free agent. He's been a core guy for them now for a decade. You know, Justin Tucker, for my money, the best kicker in the game right now, who I think if, you know, if he can keep the longevity side of it up, I think he's going to be end up being right there with Adam Ventari and these other greats in terms of just what he's the, the span of his career and what he's accomplished. I agree with you. You know, Sam Cook, uh, you know, the the record that Mason Crosby has right now for kickers with consecutive games played, Cook is the one that stands in front of him with how many games in a row he's played for the Baltimore Ravens. So they all, all across the board they're solid, and Duvernay is sort of the 
the, the, the catalyst to all this. Um, kickoff return-wise, there's probably not a lot that's going to stun you, but 14.5 yards per return on punts. Yeah. Uh, and especially coming off of what happened last week, you got to imagine that the Ravens are going to be really looking to maximize those opportunities. And, Mike, how many times do we say it? It's not just special teams. It can be on offense. It can be on defense. If you put something on film that isn't great, that doesn't look good for you, the opposition is going to look to attack it. So Green Bay has to be prepared for that because what the Ravens saw last week, that's going to be something that has them licking their chops. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to get to our keys to victory in this game, but first a little bit of sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, we've already touched on a few things, obviously, but boil it down to your top priority or maybe one or two priorities. Wes, keys to victory here for the Packers to come back from Baltimore at 11 and 3. Just win the turnover battle. It is that simple. Uh, Baltimore is a team that doesn't take the ball away a, a whole lot, and they give the ball away more than the average team. I think they're 29th right now, uh, about like minus eight or nine in terms of net differential. Uh, that that has to be the key. As stout as Baltimore is in a lot of these phases, they're kind of unspectacular in that way. There isn't, you know, the big plays to to be made defensively. So that's pretty remarkable that they're actually that far in the hole in turnover margin for the season yet they are right there to, to potentially win a division title in the AFC North. They're really the only team that's kind of contending right now that has a differential that's that low. Uh, Washington is in the mix, but mostly for a wild card spot. Cincinnati is also in that division with them. They're in that lower third as well. But otherwise, you're kind of down there with the Detroits and the New York Jets of the world. So I feel like that's it. So whether it is Jackson or maybe if you see Tyler Hundley, either one of those guys, I think you got to pressure him. you got to get the ball out. And when you get opportunities, you have to make a play on the ball. Because if you don't make the Ravens respect that, it is going to be a heck of a long afternoon in Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. For me, for me, the keys to this boil down to two things. I already mentioned one. You've got to find a way to run the ball against a really, really good rush defense. You've got to find a way to run it. You've got to you've got to stick with it, even if it's not working. You have to make them honor the run for four quarters. And the other thing to me, and this this goes to the special teams issue, is it's about field position. This Packers defense, if they have seventy-five to eighty yards to defend, they're going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, if the Ravens are getting the ball at the forty, forty-five yard line, the way the Bears were. Um, on Sunday night, if you're losing the field position battle that way, that that's going to put this defense in a tough spot against Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews and and these other these other weapons. So for me, it's running the ball and doing a better job in field position compared to the last game. Yeah, and then the other side of this too, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I, I, it's so simple to say that, but I mean, when you look at how he's played, I, I came up with that stat. I mean, anyone could have come up with it, but it was something I drew on my story last week. 114 passer rating night right now in these four games where he's dealt with the toe injury. Whatever's going on with that little toe, the little foot massages or whatever he was, the toe massages <laughs> yeah. he kind of was joking about uh, on McAfee's show, it, it, it obviously is working for him. And you hope whatever he's dealing with, the pain that's kind of you know happening for him on game days, he's finding a way to get above it. And I think if he's able to sort of penetrate and – dismantle this defense the way he did last week against Chicago. Different challenge, different unit, 
But I, I think this team, Green Bay, being in the driver's seat now, everybody understands the sense of urgency here, mm-hmm. and I think you're going to see the best version of 12. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable what, uh, and we probably haven't talked about it enough in some respects, but the job that Aaron Rodgers has done, the production that he has had despite the fact that he's not practicing. I mean, he and Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze are essentially putting together a game plan without Rodgers really taking any full-speed reps in, yeah. in practice throughout the week. And, yes, there have been slow starts and whatnot, but, you know, um, imagine what – I mean, if they had actually gotten off to a fast start against the Bears with where that game went from the second quarter on, I mean, what the offense might, yeah. have, uh, might have done against Chicago last Sunday night. I do want to talk about some other games around the league that, uh, that are in the playoff picture But first, Packers fans, if you're looking for holiday gift ideas, team historian Cliff Crystal's book, The Greatest Story in Sports, is now available at the Packers Pro Shop. The four-volume hardcover book set tells the true, complete story of the Packers' first century, from humble beginnings to heartbreaks and triumphs. Buy your copy online or in-store today. All right, around the league, Wes, here are the game's involving the other NFC contenders that are up there in this mix for uh, uh, for the number one seed with the Packers currently sitting in the driver's seat. You have Arizona is at Detroit. Dallas is at the New York Giants. I think we both know both of those would be major upsets if the if the well, home the, teams if the home teams were able Detroit to Detroit trying those. to keep its playoff hopes alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um Seattle is at the L.A. Rams in an interesting one there in the NFC West. And then I believe it's going to be right after the Packers-Ravens game, after the late Sunday afternoon window is over. The night game on Sunday is New Orleans at Tampa Bay. The Saints, having beaten the Buccaneers, um, they are responsible for one of Tampa Bay's three losses already this season. The Saints now going down to Tampa um, looking for the season sweep, but uh, um, your thoughts on any of those games that are involving the NFC contenders? This could be the one that gives the Bucks the biggest fit down the stretch. Maybe. I mean, we were asked about the Packers and which one's concerning you, and there are some really intriguing matchups, right, for them. I mean, when you look at this game, this is not a gimme by any means against Baltimore, a team that is destined, looks to be headed towards the playoffs. Yeah, you're going to have Cleveland that's still in this thing. Yep. We know the challenge already with the Vikings. You saw it last month when they beat them. And we know the Vikings are going to be fighting for a wild card spot. And they, you know. Monday night they have Chicago. So, I mean, they're, they're going to probably be in the thick of this thing as well if, it, if they are able to take care of business there. As far as the Bucks are concerned, it's not like that. Uh, this is probably their biggest test. I think things are really going in the wrong direction right now for, for Carolina, and they get to see them twice. Yeah. Uh, just seeing if there can be some Taysom Hill magic, something there that could challenge Tampa because otherwise they look like they're just steamrolling towards the playoffs right now. San Francisco and Atlanta is a really interesting game uh, because I think you were the one that mentioned. I mean, San Francisco is a team that I don't know if anyone really wants to play them right now because you you're never really can be sure what you're going to get from them, but you also know you're going to get a tough game. Yeah. And Atlanta very quietly has kept themselves in this thing. It has not been pretty down there for the Falcons, but they've still found ways to win the games they're supposed to win to be in this position. And certainly, as you touched on, I mean, Arizona, this is the week where the Packers probably are going to have to keep pace because you just I, it'd be really difficult to foresee a scenario in which the Lions are able to give them a game. Yeah, and just so the fans do understand the scenario at this point, 
If the Packers win on Sunday, they are the NFC North champs. The magic number is one. A Packers victory locks up the division. If the Packers were to lose, then a loss by Minnesota. They play Monday night at Chicago. A loss by Minnesota would would wrap up the division for the Packers. Hopefully, Green Bay can just take care of it um, on their own. And then, you know, you can cheer for whichever NFC North rival you hate more. I yeah. Suppose. yeah. Cheer against whichever one you I, hate more. One other one I'd want to ask you about, because you mentioned San Francisco and Atlanta, which I do think is an interesting game as well. And this is another one that doesn't really affect the Packers per se, but is going to factor into the wildcard race in the NFC, and that's Washington and Philadelphia. Yeah. Two yep. NFC East teams. Um Hard to know, again, sort of what you're going to get necessarily week to week from these teams. But the winner of this, both of these teams are 6-7. and seven. The winner of this game gets to 7-7 seven and seven with three games to go and is going to be right in the mix here to be, uh, to be playing in the middle of January. I thought last year sort of, sh- sort of showed Ron Rivera's brilliance as a head coach. Uh, I think this year has been even more impressive. Uh, for, for them to do what they've done, for their plans early in the season to get completely thrown out the door by this hip injury to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. For, you know, T- Taylor Haneke, who has barely been with them for a year now, I think it was around this time last year he got signed to the practice squad. Um, the issues they've had in the backfield, the issues they've had with their defensive front, Jonathan Allen this week going on the COVID list. They've had so many things kind of working against them, and yet they find ways to win ball games. And they they almost pulled off a, a crazy comeback against yeah. uh, against the Cowboys last week when they fell behind twenty four nothing at halftime. Yeah, and in, in Philadelphia, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mike. Probably more so than any team in the NFC. I don't know a lot about them. Yeah, I, I just they've been so far kind of in the back pages this year. Obviously, Gardner Minshew had to step in there for a minute. So like, it's a I, I don't really know how to make heads or tails of this game. Other than the fact that with seven teams making the playoffs now in 16-team conferences, you're going to see teams like this who otherwise might have been looking towards an 8-8 eight eight season, probably not a postseason bid, they're suddenly going to be in contention until the very end. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the way this is shaping up uh, really in, in, in both conferences. The way I mean, there are going to be, for better or worse, there are going to be a ton of games in Week 18 that uh, that where teams are still going to be alive. They're not necessarily going to be eliminated. Um, they're going to be teams sitting there going, "Okay, if we win our game, and then if you know A, B, C, and D all happen, like we can get in." You know, like that that well, that feels like where this is headed potentially, right. both in the NFC and the AFC. Well, and th- this is if the NFL was ever to do the "Hey, stick it, hot." kind of thing like <laughs> this was the year to do it because i'm still not a fan of 14 team playoffs i'm, I'm not e- i'm as not long either. As i like i like the job. system i like the system the way it was before i wish i wish there were still the reward for two teams in each conference to get a first round by just because the regular season is is such a grind and it's such a gauntlet and now it's and the fact that, and and the fact that this is set up now that uh that the number two seed has to play the number seven. I mean, you know, so all of that work, you could finish four or five wins ahead, four or five games ahead of that seven seed, yet your only reward is you you get to play them at home. You still have, you still have to beat them to be able yeah. to continue your season. I'm not but. a fan, but what's funny about it is because the Jets, Houston, and Jacksonville basically all punted on the season, you have some parity right now going on in the AFC. You have three teams that are out of it, and then what? 10 teams with seven or more wins. 
So, I mean, realistically, it's going to be down to the wire for those six and seven. It's kind of like that Arizona Cardinals year when the Cardinals missed the playoffs with 10 wins. There's going to be a team with a decent record that isn't going to make this thing just based on how things have gone in the AFC. As far as the NFC is concerned, I think it's definitely possible, Mike, that there's going to be an eight win, nine, an eight and nine team that makes the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's I just think, the way it I goes. think it's going to happen. I, yeah. I agree with you. I think it will. So, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, including all the coverage from Sunday's game against the Ravens. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.